This is your life. This is your life. Right now is your life. Life is about right now. Live and live are spelled the same way. In order to live, you must be live. Right now. The past does not equal the future unless you give the past permission. You are the sum total of your dominant thoughts and decisions. Yes, you are. So, a little birdie told me that you have an out of control sexual behavior of some sort. Pornography, masturbation, fanatization, or some kind of unhealthy sexual behavior. A little birdie also told me that it's starting to get the best of you. And it's not okay anymore. That's good news. It not being okay. Because that's the beginning of how you can change it. We're going to have an adult, grown folk conversation about behaviors, attitudes, decisions, choices, actions to become healthy. Becoming healthy is a journey. It's not a one and none. It's not like this sexual addiction BS that you do where you just get all excited, you do this, and then you blast one. Now, it requires a lot more work than that. It's strategic. It's taking steps. It's reflection. It's looking inside. It's being introspective. It's deciding that you want a better life for yourself. That's what this is about. My name is Joseph F. Price. They call me Joey P. I'm going to be your host in this journey. I'm going to be your partner in this dance. We're going to do this together. We're going to become better people together. You are going to have sexual mastery. You are going to have mastery in your life. Yes, you are. You're going to be a better person. You're going to be somebody that you can be proud of. You're going to be somebody that even your mama can be proud. But it's not going to come free. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to do some reflection. I'm going to give you some tools. I'm not going to do it all on my own. I'll bring some guests. They'll give you the good stuff. But here's what you got to do. Take this as a journey, a journey that you get better each and every day, a journey that we don't stop until we figured out how to do it and we become invincible. Yeah, we can become invincible to our pornography at sexual behaviors and unhealthy other addictions. You just got to understand how it works. You got to understand how your mind is making you its bitch. I know you don't like that language, but you're the bitch of your mind. And so this work that we're going to do, 
It's about neutralizing that and you becoming the victor. You becoming the master. You becoming the man that you're supposed to be. That's what I'm talking about. So if that's something that interests you, if that's something that you want to do, then let's do that together. It ain't a one and done. It's a journey. So let's begin. Good afternoon, everybody. Joseph F. Price. You know, I've often, often answered the question, uh, what's the easiest way to get rid of an addiction? What is the easiest way to get rid of an addiction? I got an interesting answer for you. And I got an answer that's guaranteed that is the best and the easiest way that you'll ever get rid of any addiction you know what it is it's called don't get involved in it in the first place so this afternoon or evening or morning wherever you are i have a guest with me uh her name is lynn griesmer she wrote a book called porn free how to decrease the demand for pornography and it's just that it's about how to you know we spend so many time so many hours and time working on ridding an addiction and like i said the easiest way to rid an addiction of any sort is not to have it in the first place so that's what we're going to talk about for the next couple of moments let me welcome my good friend here miss lynn grismore grease grismore Hi, Joseph. Great to be here. Nice to meet you. Great to have you here. It's it's my pleasure. So I guess uh, the best place to start usually with this kind of thing is to to start with your story. And I'm going to try to kind of guide you so that we can break it down in parts. So if you would tell me where you grew up, where you're from. I grew up in a small town called Rocky Hill, Connecticut. I spent 17 years there and then was drawn to Boston University. I loved my college years in Boston. I've traveled all around the country since then. I wanted to be a clinical psychologist, but I went off track and my father suggested I try uh, Army ROTC my sophomore year or junior year of college. So I did, I was offered a scholarship. I became an army officer. I did that for four years full-time, four years National Guard, met my husband in the Army, got married at the age of 22. We've been happily married for 37 years. Let's say happily for 35 and throw in some hardships uh, here and there, uh, but it's been great. We have six adult children, and so... I was always the athletic type of person. I was a partier, I was shy, I was athletic. And then I decided I needed to come out of my shyness because I have leadership abilities. And so I came out of my shyness when I was in college and I am a very strong woman who really notices in our culture and noticed at a young age, the atrocities and the mistreatment of women and children the degradation of women. So I sensed that early on. So it makes sense for me 
to be drawn to writing a book on porn. And believe me, I didn't set out to write a book on porn. I've written 12 books and my topics are unassisted home birth, marriage and public speaking. And this book just kind of emerged in me and I just feel very strongly about it. I've always felt strongly about some of the issues in life where they, they wanna change the laws, they wanna fight it, they wanna deal with it after it happens. And I guess I guess just got fed up that nobody is talking about real solutions on how to decrease, because I'm not gonna say the word stop the demand for pornography. I don't think we'll ever do that. There are gonna be people who are drawn to porn. You can't stop it 100%. That's a Pollyanna uh, pie in the sky belief, but we can greatly decrease it in many ways. And that's what I set out to do in this book. I actually, uh, do you want me to talk about how I came to write this book? You asked where I grew up, but uh, could I, I could segue. Oh, by all means, if you would. Okay, please. okay, great. Because um, there's not much to talk about my background. Not, you know, okay, family situation. I'm the oldest of three kids. Life in Connecticut was quiet. And, and it was generally a good upbringing, you could say. But the, how I was drawn to this book was I was actually getting ready to write more on home birth or marriage. I, I have so many book ideas inside of me. And in July of 2020, a question just jumped into my mind. Perhaps I was seeing a lot of it around me, hearing about cases, news, whatever. My question was, what makes a 50-year-old man want to have sex with a 13-year-old girl? Where do we get to in that point? That is not normal. It's abnormal. It, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. Now, of course, we know there are multiple of reasons what brings a man to that place. But within 24 hours, I just was brought back to the idea of pornography. And porn is like a gateway drug. Porn to me is like smoking weed. You start with what, when you and I were younger, they had soft porn. It was just like a provocative picture of a woman, chesty, scantily clad, soft porn that made its way from Playboy into Penthouse and Hustler. And so pornography is really a gateway drug. A guy will start with porn and it, and it escalates. And so you could think of pedophiles, sex trafficking as, as meth, cocaine, heroin. It, it just, you take porn and it gives you ideas. It gives you permission. It plants the seed. So anyways, I wanted to write this book. I thought on pedophiles, but then it, I, I was taken back to pornography and I'm glad I focused on pornography. And I have done research over the years. I've known about it, doing some marriage coaching. I know that porn is very involved in some marriages and it really can be very destructive on people's lives. And as your listeners and your guests, your men that you have on your show will show, it's, it's very destructive. It just takes your life and it, and it spirals downhill on, until you reach a moment where you can't live like this anymore. So let me, let me jump in on uh, marriages. Uh, you had mentioned something in the book. What percentage of marriages that failed is there that pornography element? To your the, the lawyers, lawyers will tell you they're the ones who know most the uh, 60%, approximately 60%. That's a lot of people. And that's various levels of porn. And an interesting thing happened. I was writing this book and I didn't tell a lot of friends and people. I just kind of kept it to myself. A few close friends knew about it. 
And then when I was ready to start revealing it, when I was getting to the end point of this book coming out and I was like, oh yes, I'm writing a book on porn and, and they would laugh, you know, and, and like, what? And then everybody had a story. Every single person I talked to had something to say. Oh, my nephew just got divorced. They have a new baby. He was into porn and he didn't admit it. And the wife couldn't live with it anymore. And they got divorced. <laughs> oh, yes. My ne my nephew was into porn. Oh, I caught my actually this is a, this. I commended this mom. My son came to me. My college age son came to me and told me he had a hard he was having a hard time with porn. And I said, congratulations, you raised a nice family of communication where he came to you in almost all of the cases. The guy gets found out. It's a secret, hidden, mm -hmm. shameful, just a secret part of life. And usually people stumble across it. They're checking the account to do bills. They're, they're going to their 15-year-old son's uh, little iPad to make sure, oh, did you get your history paper, you know, paper in? And oh my gosh, and you see all the sites that they visit. So usually people are discovered. And um, so anyways, uh, I'm going off track. I forgot. What no, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, you can go off track and and even in this conversation, we can only scratch the surface. So even if you go Absolutely. left or you go right or you go up and down, you know, the best that we are able to do in this um, conversation is to scratch the surface. One of the things also while we're talking about marriage is it's like three, what, 300 percent likely to have an affair if a person is heavily yep. using in porn. Yeah, that's what they say. That's what fight the new drug says. Covenant eyes. The 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 um, intersecting statistic is, and we're talking. I'm talking mostly about men here. There are they do say a, a growing percentage of women are doing porn, affected by porn. Let's just say Fifty Shades of Grey could be a pornography that women like. They 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 think it's a romantic story. This young woman with this 27 or 25 year old billionaire. And it's S and M and whatever it is, you know, deviant. It's deviant sex, and they and women think this is romantic, erotic. So we're talking mostly men here. And yes, three hundred percent. The person who has a porn habit or addiction is three hundred percent likely to have an affair, a, a hookup, or an affair. And that should be really alarming. That should be alarming to couples. And, and I call for zero tolerance of pornography. I don't think it has any use. So, so let's, here's another thing older friends said to me when I was writing this book. Well, Lynn, how about if I just use a little soft porn just to get, get me going in the bedroom, just to get us going. And I've come to the conclusion that no, no porn, because just look, just imagine what's happening. The couple is looking at somebody else doing a sex act. And we don't know in the making of this porn, what happened? Was there sex trafficking? Was there women against their will? So you're looking at somebody else. Then you're going to go have sex with your partner or your spouse. What I say is work on developing communication and relationship where the two of you are looking at each other face to face and you are responding to each other and asking and showing each other what turns you on so that your sex expression with your spouse is between exclusively between the two of you. You're actually being a little bit of a voyeur if you're looking at 
some porn and somebody else to then help you get going. You know, and also by doing that, they're, they're screwing up their sexual template, which is basically, it's called the sexual arousal template, which is the sequence of events that goes uh, and causes them arousal. So th basically they're causing themselves to be addicted uh, just by doing that. So no, no, that, like you said, none is, is, is okay. Zero is okay. Zero. Zero. Um, let's see here. You know, one of the things that, 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 that I find that's important about your work and the book is that, um, you're on Facebook too, by the way, live. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. No, I'm telling you, you're on Facebook live right now. Everybody. Oh, I am. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 Shoot. Yeah, I would have told people. I would have yeah, told well, people. Well, you know, you know, I just, oh. I just upped the amity so that, you know, we have to play a better game. I, I kind of put it out there. Okay. So, uh, yeah, kids, kids in porn, because that's, that's really where it starts. I mean, you know, like when, I, I smoked cigarettes for a bunch of years and then quit. And basically, no one starts smoking at 40 years old. You know, basically, people start smoking in their teens. So uh, if you can keep it out of their teens in their early 20s, then they probably won't smoke. And it's the same thing with porn. If you can keep it out of the kids, then uh, they won't do it. And then basically, one of the things that you're talking about is instead of trying to make the kids not trying to keep trying to make the kids not do it how about having the kids be empowered so that they choose not to do it on their own so you know i i, I like how you talk about that and as a matter of fact uh one of the ways that you talk about leading the kids to a porn free life which is actually one of the ways that you can lead kids to an excellent life is 10 virtues you know what those are right offhand because i wrote stuff and sometimes i forget it so you want to shoot the 10 virtues or you All want right. to tell? So we want to talk about the 10 virtues. I will um, list, and it was in no particular order, but 10 virtues to help combat pornography. One, and I'll just say what they are, and That's we fine. can talk about whatever. Integrity, that is adhering to sound, moral, and ethical principles, having integrity, teaching your children integrity. And again, this will be age-related, you can't, some of these are more complex and more advanced for older children. The second one is humility. That is a modest view of one's importance. We also have charity, giving something to others in need, unselfish love and generosity. We wanna teach our kids to be charitable. Another one would be prudence the habit of deciding well at each moment what one must do. It's also self-governance. So prudence is not just, oh, being a prude, oh, you're, you're very uptight. It's more than that. It's self-governance in many areas of life. Could be related to food. All right, chastity, the practice of using reason and restraint of the sexual instinct. And it's funny, our culture gives free reign and nobody wants to hear chastity. They'll giggle and laugh at you. Uh, but without chastity, without some type of um, restraint, anything goes. You go on Tinder. Isn't it bizarre how people will just go out, go to a bar, get drunk, go to Tinder, drink and hook up with someone? 
You're stripping your clothes off. You're totally naked with each other. And you're sharing yourself in the highest physical sense with someone. And you don't even know their last name. You don't know anything about them. So chastity is sort of being, well, a little prudent, but it's just reserve using reason and restraint. And restraint is a good thing. I want to be, I want chastity in my marriage. I don't want my husband having three or four other partners. I want him and I to be exclusive monogamy. That would be our goal. Chastity when it comes to other partners. All right. Another virtue that I uh, introduce to parents in trying to raise a porn-free child would be temperance, moderation in action, thought, or feeling. Um, and again, remember the 1970s was the me generation. It's all about me. I can get whatever I want whenever I want. There was no temperance. You could just, I want to go hang out with friends and, and get high. You know, no, we need to have temperance. And these virtues are a good thing. So part of my book is really turning upside down the runaway train that the culture has gotten to. And this is kind of taking a step back and taking a step to the side and, and really examining uh, we need to do a better job to guide our children. Fortitude, the strength of mind that enables a person to meet danger or bear pain or adversity with courage, you know, being courageous. And we're almost at the end of our 10. I think we have three more. Diligence, careful or persistent work or effort. We teach our kids diligence in their homework, in the organizations that they join in the and the activities that they do to be diligent it's it's a really good value so it's kind of like teaching your kids mo morals and values these virtues detachment living simply and peacefully avoiding whims and excess while having a balanced temperament uh what's really hard are these phones we are even we adults are attached to our phones in the evenings we keep them under our pillow we we look at it first thing in the morning we're not detached. We're so they're almost attached to our body, taking pictures, taking selfies. So detachment is something we need to teach our children. And, and, and then in each of these virtues, I do talk about how it relates to pornography, being detached, not all of a sudden you see a picture of something and, and don't be pulled in. Oh my gosh, I have to look at it. I have to have it. No, try to be detached. And obedience is very important. It's important to follow directives by adhering to what is right, good, or true. We need to be obedient when we drive our cars and follow uh, traffic laws. Obedience is very important. You have chaos in life if you don't have obedience. So those are the 10 virtues. And I just talk uh, just briefly about each one of them. And my book is really for parents to, and, and it's less than 150 pages. I could have made this book twice. It's got a lot of different topics in it. I could have made it twice as long, more research, more explanation, but I felt a sense of urgency to get this book out and to get it out for busy lives where you have three hours to read this book and then think about your own life and how you're going to apply it. So those are the 10 virtues. Well, I appreciate the 10 virtues and also I appreciate the way that uh, you spaced the book out because I felt that uh, it it did the job in such a way that you didn't you didn't expand on any one subject to the extent that one would get bored. So um, you 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 were able to attain that balance very well. 
Now, one of the things that you did talk about was raising kids to be strong enough to look away. And before you jump in there, um, since most of our audience is uh, actually porn users, you know, it's funny how we're teaching them how to look away before they become porn users. And then after they become porn users, one of the greatest skills they can ever have is look away. So talk about look away. All right, look away. We know that porn will find us. We know it. It's just a matter of how old will we be and will we be equipped? And when we come across it, we hope that you will look away because the human mind and our human selves are curious and curious killed the cat, curiosity killed the cat, and it, it, it can really, that's what can bring you down. And so when we talk about look away, and I've listened to different people talk about pornography and how they came across it, you can have the best parents teach you to avoid it. You can have internet blockers so that you won't come across it. But the one time you go to your friend's house there's some porn that comes out and, and the parent is not in control. So your kid will have to learn to look away that you have to, you should raise your child to be very strong. Uh, I'll tell one story of a school psychologist. She saw a bunch of seven-year-old boys hovered around the computer in the library. And she thought, well, that's odd. You know, they're quietly all looking at a computer. Are they looking at a game? Well, what's going on? So she walked over and the very clever, smart seven-year-old, they know what to do with a few little hits of the keyboards. He got out of the, all the porn sites and whatever. But guess what? The school district has monitors on where everybody has been searching. So she looked it up later and sure enough, she found they were looking at porn. Now, imagine you are the mom of one of these seven-year-olds in the group of boys. I would, uh, and I, I try to, uh show a parent how they can do this and we we won't go into detail of it now if you want to get my book you can you can go into detail but the bottom the bottom line of that i'm trying to accomplish is are you raising that seven-year-old that might be the only one person to say this is wrong oh no get out of this there's going to be levels of what kids can do the shyer kid might feel shocked and quiet and don't say anything one kid might be a little more vocal and say, oh, this, let, let's not look at this. But for the most part, the kids will probably be quiet. Is there going to be a seven-year-old that would go and tell a teacher? And that's not tattletaling. That's telling. It, it's, again, with the virtues of obedience. This is not what your eyes and your mind should see. And when we look away, another important thing of looking away is what is your gut feeling telling you? And I talk about this very important in raising a daughter. What do you feel when you see something or when somebody says something to you or someone says, hey, you want to come over to my house for some cookies? You know, your, your male neighbor to the six-year-old girl who's outside playing and the stranger or the neighbor, or maybe not the stranger, maybe, maybe someone you know pretty well, asks you over. Your gut feeling for the six-year-old girl, if the parents are or in touch and doing their job right, is that, oh no, you do not go anywhere alone, not even with the friends, not even unless with my approval or I'm escorting you. So 
we often ignore our gut feelings. We often do not look away because we're curious. And yes, little kids might not look away, but we, we really need to start young. So as you can see with my book, it goes beyond what's, what some of these reputable organizations are putting out, like Fight the New Drug, Enough is Enough. There's many organizations that are talking, here is how we educate your children about porn. Well, with all due respect, at some point, it's too late. You can't just sit down with your 13 or your 15-year-old. Okay, Johnny, guess what? You might come across porn, and this is what it's all about. And you're, the kid probably can look at you and think, Mom, you don't even know half of it. <laughs> I've seen stuff you probably didn't even know was in existence. So it's too late if you think you're going to sit down with a 13 or 15-year-old. You really need to... Uh, already, you know, at the age appropriate level. And that's where these organizations are good at the age appropriate level at what's a best way to talk with a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or 13-year-old about these topics. So having a great rapport with your children and um, strengthening them so that they will turn away. Because now, here, here, here's what's a little off on that. I read a study and the study said the average age that a parent thinks that they should talk to a child about porn is X. The average age that a kid was getting into porn was Y. In other words, it's two years earlier that they're getting into porn than the parents think it's time for them to talk. So like you said, it's two years too late. The average age that they're looking at, what, what does your stats say the average age? Because the average age they think to, to tell their kids to talk about porn is like 12 or 13 or 14, and they're getting into porn before that. Yeah, the, the stats say 11. Some okay. people it's five years old, eight years old, nine years old. It depends on your home situation. And unfortunately, it is generational if, if you know your parents are using it. Uh, the kids might be younger. If it, unfortunately, in the incest and the sexual uh, abuse, it's it's earlier. And so, I like to think that maybe there's no set age. And so, no, there isn't. There isn't. And and so with my parenting, this is how I handled it. I was drawn to attachment parenting, and what that means is uh, a home birth, natural birth, home birth breastfeeding for a long period of time, uh, the family togetherness. And so my youngest two were an unassisted home birth, which means no doctor, no midwife, just me and my husband at home chose to do this. We had four very easy hospital births. And for whatever reason, I found my way to unassisted. And so my children knew one time they were outside playing and the baby was born at five o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And within 10 or 20 minutes, 10 minutes, hey, you want to meet your new brother? We were in bed and the kids came in. So they started seeing sexuality birth as natural, uh, happy and positive. And not, I wasn't afraid of giving birth. I, I didn't have severe pain. And then an outgrowth of that is breastfeeding. And my oldest son is 34. My youngest son is 20. And I have four girls in between. So my oldest son would be, uh, we had great conversations late into the night when he was seven years old, I was breastfeeding one of his siblings, maybe the fourth or the fifth child. 
and I'm breastfeeding the baby and my son Rob and I were talking. And so right there when he was seven, he saw a mother's breasts were for a baby breastfeeding. So he started seeing uh, from an early age, you know, what sexuality was. Um, my husband and I practiced natural family planning for many years. And I had a chart um, where I kept track of certain signs about my body and it was by my bed. And so, you know, one of my daughters, uh, when she was a teenager or something, um, you know, they, they just started knowing, well, what is this for and why do you do it? And what is this all about? So you can teach comfortably your children for what, wherever your beliefs are, as far as sexuality or marriage, you can start teaching your kids at a young age. So now when the topic of porn comes in and I, I, it just all happened naturally. So I can't tell you what age I taught my kids about porn. We were delayed with the cell phones. So most of my kids were born in the 1990s. So the cell phones came to them at age 16 or 14. Nowadays, kids are getting them at five, six, and seven. Mm -hmm. And I know parents want them when they drop their kids off at school, they want to communicate. And so the, the cell phone usage is, is much younger. Um, and that right there is, uh, you gotta, <laughs> that's tough. So I think that if, I if we talked about porn, I probably said, oh, uh, probably maybe we saw billboards of a chesty woman or adult store, you're driving along the highway and you're heading down in North Carolina, South Carolina, or whatever, I-95, adult store, adult XXX. And you know, when kids ask questions, don't be uptight, answer them at their level. Oh, what's that? Uh, you know, and I don't want to present sex as being shameful to my children, but oh, that's adult store that I would throw in my opinion how it's it's not acceptable or it's derogatory of women. And, you know, I, I would try to give like an op-ed answer to my children when they asked. And, uh, you know, I said, well, you might come across something that's, uh, that makes you feel uneasy or uncomfortable or that is shocking. And I hope you can feel comfortable to tell me, tell me about it, because I'd like to know, you know, how they feel. So there are many things, um, to answer the question of, do you sit down with your kid and formally talk about porn? I think the answer is no. I think it gets woven in into your life, into your family. Okay, now now here's the, the fun one. What about when you catch them? Number one, I'm not one to scold. I wouldn't say, naughty, naughty, terrible, terrible, no. You... This is why the, we adults need to be comfortable with it. And so let's talk up to your, your men who are uh, mainly listening to this podcast or watching this. As the men are overcoming their porn addictions, you might be called to also serve as a good example as the father. And so you're working through your own stuff and shaming a child isn't good. Sometimes we know if you, if you say, don't do it, don't go behind that, don't go do it it makes the kid want to go do it. So you, there are things you can say like, oh, I, now let's say you found it first. I don't believe in sneaking, going into your kid's room and looking for a diary to read, trying to infringe on their personal territory. I don't believe in doing that, but hopefully you have a mutual trust. So let's just say you find your kid's laptop 
and they have uh, porn on it, at first, the mom is probably going to be shocked. And so you have to kind of settle down your anger, calm down. You might not want to run and approach right away. You might want to wait till the next day or later that night. You might want to discuss with your spouse about it. But you do want to bring it up. You don't want to let it go and ignore it and avoid it because that means everything's okay. And so you have to face your discomfort. So wherever level you are, whether you're addicted, whether you, you know, you're having issues, you have to, you really need to confront it. Or guess what, Joseph, sex education is going to happen with this child. If you don't intervene and get them on the right track, this is where sex education should be taught at home. And it should be, you know, so you find out about it. And so maybe the next day you would say, oh, David, I was, uh, I noticed on your iPad, I didn't go looking for it, but I noticed there was some pornography. Can you tell me about it? And there might be, uh, oh, well, it's none of your business. What are you doing? It's, why are you going on my uh, iPad? Oh, I just came across, oh, da, 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 da. So you wanna, have, you wanna create a situation where there will be a back and forth, a rapport, a conversation. You're, try, you're going to try to help your kid stop doing the porn. So if they shut themselves down, you might not make it anywhere. They might shut themselves down and maybe you can't talk about it that day. Maybe you can talk about it another day. Okay, well, when you cool down, you know, I'd like to, we're not done discussing this. I'd like to discuss it. You, the parent are in charge and, um, you know, you can't let your kid walk all over you. So there's a number of different ways to approach the situation. What are you comfortable with? What is your kid comfortable with? Uh, but you do want to confront it. You want to confront it gently. You want to confront it where you're going to get openness back and forth. If you're not getting openness, let it hang out and maybe come back to it the next day. And sometimes when you're in the hot seat like you are, you forget some of those things. Yeah. You like listen and not lecture. That's, oh, one, I... of your, that's one of your foundational points. And that's what I was saying. That, that yeah. uh, listen, not lecture. Now, you can talk about these in the order that you want. Um, gaming and porn. And then you can talk about domestic violence and porn. Any order that you want. Sex trafficking and porn. Any right. order that you want those gaming, three. Gaming and porn, you know, probably makes billions of dollars. Uh, porn sneaks its way in. Even with something you don't think is porn, you think it's a shooting game, but you got these sexy woman, skinny little 13 inch waist with a 42 inch chest. And, and this is the image that young boys are seeing. They're being bombarded with the images of a woman's body. And that's not a real woman's body. So with my two sons, they did do gaming. There were games that were not allowed. Uh, we didn't do Call of Duty. We didn't do... Uh, Grand Theft Auto, whatever, but they could do shooting games. They could do um, various internet online games with other people because I trusted them. I, uh, you know, my one son didn't use the F word. Occasionally, maybe he he's 20 now. He, he might've, I might've heard it out of his mouth, but I congratulated him for the gaming that he did. Wow. I hear these other people on the other side. Oh, F this, F this. It's, it's, such, it's like a word like water. And I thanked him for keeping his language cleaner. And I said, I don't like the way these guys are talking, but I understand that's, that's how they talk. And they I'm were sorry. dropping more bombs than they were actually dropping bombs. Okay, go ahead. 
Yeah. So with gaming and porn, with boys and gaming, here is a really good rule that worked well in my house. Uh, they, my boys could have computers in their rooms. They could be on the computer late at night, midnight, one in the morning. They always had the computer facing. They, they sometimes can shut the door, but when I felt like it, leave the door open. At any given time, I could go walking by, open the door, see what they're doing. I have every right as a parent to do it, no matter what age, unless they ask me, oh, mom, I'm going to be doing live stream and we're doing this, this, and this. And I knew there was not going to be any porn involved. Okay, you get your privacy. But they knew that my eyes were there in a second and would be monitoring. So then they had to police their behavior. That's working on the virtues. They had to make the right choice not doing it. So, so the mom should have some kind of control. Don't just let your kid go off with, with this device all on their own, in, in, huddled in a corner. You need to know what they're doing, but you don't have to be a helicopter parent while you're doing it. So gaming and porn, basically, you know, porn just doesn't uh, exist in, in a respectful, mature person. We have no room for porn. Now, one of the things I did want to jump in and, and, and make a point, and I don't know if you were aware of it. I was around this stuff for like three years before I was aware of it. It's a portion, and I don't get caught up in stats, but it's almost like 25% of the pornography is accessed through those gaming boxes. Did you know that? I'm not sure I knew that. Yeah, because they're like, they're, they're, they're actually, they're like browsers. You can turn that into like yeah, a, like a definitely. browser basically. So, yeah, so yeah, there's a lot on, and, and again, the, the stats, I don't really get caught in the stats, but there's, there's, there's a bulk of pornography that's accessed that time. Another interesting fact is apparently local time. Uh, whatever that is, nine to five, Monday through Friday, is a high pornography access point. R real simple, people access a lot of porn uh, at work. And also in the afternoon, uh, there's a spike in usage because kids are watching porn and doing homework. There's also a spike in the summertime as well as whenever kids are on holiday vacations. They used to have sites that you could track that a lot easier not so easy nowadays but you could track that so how about domestic violence and porn what, what well what? i didn't get i didn't get too much into domestic violence in my book but we do know that it's an escalation we do know that porn is not just for sexual release it could be for soothing it could be an emotional emotional reason you feel abandoned you feel alone your parents just got divorced you're, you're not doing anything productive and you're, you're in your room, you're ignored and you come across porn and you find it and young boys discover masturbation and orgasm. Wow, this feels good. Well, this feels really good. And so you go back for a second time, a third time, you develop a habit. And so, so that little young boy was not really looking for sexual outlets. He discovered it. He was abandoned. He was soothing. It makes him try to relax. However, we, you know, we do know that depression is pretty high amongst porn users, but domestic violence, again, it porn, the making of porn can be domination, men over women, a power play. We know that when um, Deep Throat came out in 1972 or 73, 
Linda Lovelace Marciano did not make a lot of money as the porn star or porn performer in that movie. Everyone around her did, the, the distributors, the movie houses, you know, so, so she was violated. And basically pornography is used as a, po a power play in our culture, in the, in the, in the industry. Um, you're gonna see more women, I'm not sure if they burn out within three months in, as porn performers. Their reproductive health is in need of serious doctor medical um, fixing. Uh, because they've just been, you know, barbaric, slammed, whatever kind of rough sex in the making of these movies, all because they think it's entertainment for people. So domestic violence is, is, is on the continuum of porn. It's on the continuum of domination. We know that a lot of money is made in sex trafficking and prostitution. And women who get caught up in this, unfortunately, end up taking on a substance abuse problem. They end up being enslaved to their pimps or their, their owners and uh, they get beat up and they have to go back out and provide sex for their Johns, you know, to make money back to the pimp. So domestic violence is a way to keep control of women in the sex industry as, as a control. Uh, there's just a lot of anger just think about people who just are 100% involved in pornography, sex trafficking. It's not a peaceful life. And so a peaceful life does not include domestic violence or violence. Um, so I can't really speak, I didn't really write about domestic violence, but I just talked about the, the continuum porn, pedophilia, sex trafficking. So I, I didn't really delve too much into the domestic violence. Well, um, it, it it does show up, um, and it, it 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 shows up because of the fact that heavy porn users have a warped opinion of women, and that warped opinion is actualized, and one of the ways that it's actualized is through uh, domestic violence. Now, you were talking about trivialization of certain things, so talk about what porn trivializes. Porn, in my book, I talk about human sexuality. And when we talk about human sexuality, um, uh, one of the topics I talk about is biological design. And I didn't want to make my book necessarily Catholic or Christian. I wanted to come up with this idea of biological design. This is where my book is going to get controversial and it's going to get difficult. The biological design tells us that when we have life, and this is not, it doesn't matter what political uh, affiliation you're with, it doesn't matter what religion you're with, it doesn't matter what your age is, what is biology? In order to have a living creature, we have three things that we need. We need an environment in which to thrive. We need the right food or nourishment. If you're a plant, you need sunlight, photosynthesis. Human beings, we need food food and nourishment to keep us alive. And number three, reproduction. If we don't have reproduction, biology collapses. It, we cannot sustain ourselves. So now when I say that, that's gonna piss a lot of people off. Okay, well, are you homophobic? Because the biological design is a male and a female. So where does that leave homosexuality? Well, I don't, I don't discuss homosexuality. Where does that leave me with IVF and surrogacy and all of these things I want to take with 
biology and, you know, as a human being, make a change. And that's where natural birth is very important in biology. We need C-sections, we need doctors, we need medical equipment and hospitals when things go wrong. But biology is set up to ensure, in general, most people will live with natural, natural outgrowth. Um, then I talk about breastfeeding in my book. What are breasts for? Are they for men? Well, they, they became for men definitely in the 1950s when we had Playboy came out in 1953. We had the commercialization of infant formula. So women were told by doctors, look at this frothy white milk from the formula company. That looks healthier than your bluish breast milk. And women were taken away from breastfeeding and into giving their babies bottles. And my pro breastfeeding argument is that oxytocin is flowing from mother to baby. She's only about 10 inches away as she's breastfeeding. They have like a little, a little close bonding and nurturing going on. The little, the little foot is kicking and the baby is smiling and cooing. Now this is not to shame or, or tell women who cannot breastfeed that you're inferior. I'm just saying, let's go back to the biological design. What does the biological design tells us? It tells us that breastfeeding is a good thing. Um, and, and everything flows from there. So, okay. So let's talk about oxytocin. So I didn't know what that was until four years ago. So a whole bunch of people might not know what that is. So what is oxytocin? Uh, I am not a scientist. However, I mean, generally, let's, in in generally, let's yeah. oxytocin are the good hormones, the love hormones. And where does oxytocin flow and why should we have it? It really warms our heart. It's, it's, it's manufactured when you have a great outing with friends. It's manufactured during sex for the man when, and woman. When you hug people. When you hug, hugs, kisses, warmth um breastfeeding and we need more oxytocin in this world than just hits of dopamine oh i need my fix of chocolate oh uh, i really enjoy gambling it gives me a rush the oxytocin is a healthy rush and we need more of that i'm gonna go get me a rush of oxytocin keep keep talking about oxytocin all right so oxytocin is really something that is underestimated in our culture and it's something i think we need for survival yeah pets you know how good pets are bringing pets into convalescent homes of elderly people who don't hug as much who don't have visitors you bring dogs and cats yes it is it is we're not fighting anything with oxytocin. We're not antagonizing. It just really, the love flows. And we, we really need to do more, put ourselves in a situation where we're going to have more love. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's funny that uh, you, you were mentioning that book, Dopamine Nation. Yeah, you which, mentioned it too. I loved it, huh? Anna, I, yeah, it's... Um, I don't remember a whole bunch about that book, but I do remember something that's crazy that I will share. And this is how people, how, how extended that people's addiction can be. This guy actually took a, a, an old uh, electronic device. It was actually a, a, a phonograph. People that are young don't know what that is. It's a record <laughs> player. 
So he took an electronic device and somehow wired it and 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 took springs and whatnot and and attached it to his penis and was shocking himself. Uh, and he got addicted to shocking himself, and he kept throwing it away, and then every couple weeks he'd go back in the trash can and re-rig it up, and he was doing therapy. That's basically what I remember from the book. But I do, re I, I will say this. One of the things that uh, is true with all of most of these disorders of today, the process disorders, gaming, uh, shopping addiction, gambling addiction, as well as pornography addiction, it's an electronic addiction. It's an addiction of the phone. It's a disorder of the, one of the disorders of the phone. Uh, it's it's a it's many disorders, but definitely people not having any kind of reign over their phone is is one place to start. Uh, and they're looking for dopamine in the wrong places. Mm -hmm. So that's my little two cents. So yeah, there. so when men are coming off addiction of porn, they've got to find a new interest. And the new and especially accountability would be good. Joining a men's group at church. I I'm a very physical person. I'm an endurance athlete, long distance swimming, and I love it. And it's very healthy. It'd be healthy to get into exercise healthy to just come up with some new hobbies and new habits and make a new friend or two maybe get a pet go go on long walks with your dog there's so many things and and i like listening to your podcast um the one guy that you interviewed he became alive he started doing new things and and he feels like he wasted his life for several years while he was doing porn and i love how you said fantasy versus imagination when you're in porn a fantasy is never going to come true but your imagination you have to start thinking and imagining and then making some take action in life and make manifest something real in your life real valuable and productive yeah you know it's funny actually i did a podcast it's on the youtube about uh to catch a predator and how all those people were porn addicts because they are yeah uh in many of those if you look at them real hard they caught them and found them uh with porn and if you listen to some of those chats of those predators there's uh references of porn there's all kinds of stuff that people do that uh shows that they 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 do porn i'll tell you a funny story i was looking for a lawnmower i live in a senior community okay so just be in there with the conversation so i i sent a text to a neighbor uh yeah i'm gonna bring my wife over you know can we come and look at the lawnmower so i sent it to the wrong number didn't know that okay. so about five minutes later i don't remember how how long it was some guy sends me a picture of some porn back <laughs> so i know i got the wrong person but i'm like is i just had to block yeah. it because it's like i can't address it yeah. Because there's nothing I can do to sell you on how you're going to change your behavior. Right. So I'm not going to waste my time because you're going to try to gaslight me. Or That's something. kind of funny. <laughs> That's yeah, weird. yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he knew what he was doing. And then at the same time, I said, you know, like I told my wife, I said, uh, you know, I could have taken the route of, you know, being mean to him. Yeah. And I said, do you think maybe I could hurt a porn uh, addict's feelings? Do you think maybe I have enough ammunition to do that? She said, yeah, I think you do. 
I, I just I just left it alone. But yeah, that that that's how porn. You know, like somebody sends you a text, the wrong the wrong text comes, and then you respond by sending them porn back. And I already yeah. know you've got to have looked at the porn, or it's on your phone, in order to send it to me. Right. There's a lot of things that have to happen in order for you to do that, but it's just it's just funny. Sexting and texting, that's another example of, I guess you could call that uh, hidden porn. People don't even think of that as porn. That is porn. That's part of a pornified culture that, that we live in where people, um, they have to look at the little things because they lead to the big things. Because when I talk about addiction, and the addiction is not really like one addiction. It's like they talk about in marketing, you got funnels. And addiction is like, you know, 250 other habits that you need to address that funnel into the big addiction. So when you deal with the addiction, really, you got to deal with the 256 habits. And it's by dealing with the 250 habits that the addiction goes away. And what most people do is they, they, they never even deal with the habit in the first place. So... I don't know what they do. They just wish that, that, that they're going to be okay and it doesn't happen. So talk yeah. to me about habitual cons compulsive impulsive. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the person who is addicted, the 250 things you have to face. So, and I guess this ties into compulsion too. So you have a porn addict, a porn, a habitual porn user hit rock bottom and realize I need to change my life. This is a whole major complete overhaul that they need to do because now they have to face themselves. Now they have to face, I'm running away from myself with this porn addiction. I'm running away from myself. Now I have to face myself, face my insecurities. It becomes very raw and it becomes very hard. And I know you probably do great work with the people you help finding out who are you? What is your purpose? You know, why are you doing this? And how can we how can we stop it? We can't just stop the habit. We have to dig deeper. It's not good enough to just, okay, I stopped looking at it. Like, like you said, you probably will fall back into it in a week, two weeks. You have to do that soul searching and that inner work. And you have to look at what image was I presenting? And wow, was that the real me? What is my image? Because you know, porn users Many times they're pastors with three children and they have the great image and then they're found out child porn. Oh, wow. We didn't guess we didn't know this guy. So there's an image that people put out there. Um, then they have to face, well, who am I? Well, now that I don't have this, what am I going to do? So, but anyways, those are just some thoughts that I thought about, but compulsion is very strong. And I think I understand addiction because my addiction, and I've overcome it for at least a year, binge eating, compulsive overeating. When I, when I would get bored or anxious, mostly anxious, I ended up eating too much food. Now, it's not shown because I don't gain a lot of weight, but because I work it out, I'm very athletic. But the point is, when you're compulsive and when you're binging, binge eating, or just being compulsive, just eating food that I didn't need, stuffed myself, stomach aches, going to the bathroom, uh, ate too much. It's so compulsive to feel out of control. So a compulsiveness, you can feel out of control. You turn to it as like Linus's security blanket. It's, it's, it's like a security blanket and you don't 
No, and it's your choice of coping. What are you going to choose to cope with? I don't know if most of us are broken in one way or another. Most of us find coping strategies, but I would rather bite my nails or pick my nails than eat food. I'd rather do excessive and a lot of energy, a, a lot of exercise, but I'm not hurting myself. I, I recover fine. I went out and swam for seven and a half, seven and a half hours, 14, over 14 miles. And I came back and I felt great. And I had no injury, no shoulder, no problems. So I didn't overdo it because I was trained. But anyways, compulsion is, it, it just rules your life. And, you know, well, you know something's wrong with your life if something is dominating and ruling your life. If that's all you're thinking about, you can't wait to go do this next. And um, that requires, I would say, someone like yourself, a coach or a counselor or one person, a, a person to hold your hand and, and walk through life that you can talk to. I had a good day today. Oh, I wanted to do this, but I didn't. Yay, pat on the back. You didn't do it. Great. Even though you might feel terrible that you didn't do it, like I didn't accomplish anything, but you did if you didn't look at it. So compulsiveness, you know, it dominates our life. We, we have to find a new way of living. All right. So we're about ready to wrap up, but I actually have two questions okay. um, and I'll roll them into one and you can deal with them as you want. I'm going to let this cat out of my office. Uh, I'm going to walk away. So I'm not like not listening to you. Okay. But um, the question is, let's, uh, I know it's, it's goofy and I'm, I'm full of goofiness, but wow. let's say nobody heard anything that we said today. Let's say they heard nothing. What one thing would you want them to know? And then after that, how do we get in touch with you? All right. The one thing I want people to know, and it's on the back of my book, and my quote is, your body and soul are worth more than what pornography offers. We human beings are so amazingly complicated and beautiful. You are worth more than pornography. If you struggle with it or have a problem, you can overcome it with the right help given time. And we are worth more than porn. Porn is, is really a barbaric way of life when you get caught up in porn. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed that you got caught up in it. You were, you were curious, you got pulled down the rabbit hole. Don't be ashamed. I commend you for being strong one day if you are going to be a guest on Joseph's show, sharing your story, be ready. When you're ready to share your story, share it. You can help so many other people, but you are worth so much more than porn. Uh, all of my social media is Lynn Griesmer. You can see my name there, L-Y-N-N-G-R-I-E-S-E-M-E-R.com, lynngriesmer.com. The book is on Amazon, available for $9.99 or $7.99 for ebook. I have a YouTube channel called Lynn Griesmer, and it's a plethora of, of my interests. It, it will be on marriage, it'll be on, on porn free, it'll be on swimming. And so I didn't, I niched down in my life, but now I've, I've expanded out. Um, I'm on Instagram, but I don't use it too much, Lynn Griesmer. I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. So anyways, um, the book is there for you. Now you have to probably go, uh, it's not easy to find, and I don't know why. If you go to the main Amazon, uh, page and you type in my name in the book, 
it might not show up. So you might have to go to books. You might have to take just one extra click to find it. And I really, really would love for you to post a review. Uh, they say that social proof is when you have at least 25 uh, uh, reviews or ratings. I'm up to 15 now and it's climbing, so that's good. So if you read the book, please post a review. Uh, I, I'd love to interact with you. I'd love to hear from you. I'm, I'm available and uh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Joseph. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I'll get over to uh, doing uh, a review. I definitely appreciate um, you stopping by. I didn't tell you at the beginning, but I actually have another podcast that I'm doing kind of more mainstream. So this one will go in there at some point in time uh, for a, a, a very mainstream audience and not just star specific audience. So um, I, I appreciate you stopping by and uh, we put together a pretty good, decent piece of work. I hope that people will take the time to listen to it again, if need be. Uh, I thank you for stopping by. Again, uh, everybody, it's um, a pleasure having you uh, all as part of our audience. And hopefully this conversation has made a difference. Uh, again, the opposite of addiction is connection. So go out and make a connection with somebody. Do something different. If you want a life that's different, you're going to have to do something different. So just take it one day at a time. That's all you have to do. Worry about your next move. Worry about nothing, actually, but concentrate on your next right move. Progress over perfection. You don't have to do it right. Just do it and adjust and get better. We'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Joseph F. Price, Coach Joey.